The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast are presented by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million up for grabs. Get all the details at circasports.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday morning, July 23rd, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, but a bit of a short one, only three matches to go through. We have the finals taking place in Bustad, Gustad, and Newport, so three championship matches, which we will preview before giving out the lock and dog pick. But looking forward to the matches should be fun. However, before we get into any of that, do want to recap how we did in the semis. Overall, the lock and dog picks were not good. Simply put, ended up going 0-2 on those. The lock, we had Isner over 12.5 games on the team total at minus 145. Unfortunately, Isner had a bunch of chances to win the first set, had three separate break points, could not convert, and then also had a set point in the tiebreaker. Should have had a mini break as well because he had a crazy forehand return down the line when it was tied in the tiebreaker. And Nicholson had a crazy kind of like reach get on it, barely went over the net. Isner got a little bit stumped, and as a result, Mickelson eventually hit a passing shot on a point that Isner should have definitely won, and that would have set up Isner with a mini break with a serve to potentially win the first set. And if Isner had won the set, we would have automatically won, basically. So we were that close to winning, did not happen, and Isner to win a set, I believe, was around minus 380, and he proceeded to just not do it. So straight sets is basically the only way we were going to lose, and that's what happened, as Isner just was not very good in the second set, got broken immediately. The issue with Isner is he can't move at this point in his career, so anytime Mickelson got a serve, got a return in, Isner was at a massive disadvantage, and it felt like Mickelson won basically every rally that was more than three points. But anyway, Isner lost for us, and then for the dog, wasn't even close there, had Ramos Vinolas and Kikmanovic over two and a half sets. Uh, wanted to back Ramos Vinolas, who was a three-set magnet, but unfortunately for us, he was just too good. It looked like it was going to potentially be a war early on, as you saw the first two games of the match result in breaks of serve. But then after that, Ramos Vinolas destroyed Kikmanovic and one six two six three. So not even close on those. However, if you look at the actual matches that we previewed that were not in the lock and dog picks, we actually did very well, uh, which is really annoying because we picked the wrong plays for the final section. But we had Rude to win in straight sets at like plus 140. That got there. Uh, we like the over in the Sarundalo match, which got there. Unfortunately, did lean to Sarundalo money line at around plus 140, and he ended up losing in three, but that was a very entertaining match. Uh, we thought Ramos Vanolas would win, so ended up uh, getting that part of it right, but still lost with the over under two and a half sets. And then we thought Cashin would win against uh, Majedovic, and he won in straight sets pretty easily. As for Newport, we thought that Isner would win a war, so he linked to the over. That did not get there, but we did have Manorino winning against Umber, and Manorino won that one pretty straightforwardly in a straight set. So overall, pretty good episode for the actual predictions. Uh, but if you only factor in the lock and dog, then the episode sucked. So that's how it goes. Feel like the feel. I feel like that's how it went during Wimbledon, where the lock and dog picks weren't good, but the matches that I was breaking down uh, when I went when I previewed some of the, for example, third round matches, fourth round matches. It felt like we did really well with those, but when we actually gave out the official picks, those just didn't work out. So which is kind of annoying, but hopefully it'll balance out at some point. Either way, point is pretty an interesting day of tennis yesterday. I'll start off with Gustad because that'll be the first match taking place on Sunday. So I mentioned Ramos Vinolas who dominated 
looking for a second title at this event. Katchen was very good against Majedovic, and I did have concerns that Majedovic would struggle with the moment being his first ATP semifinal. And on top of that, there were a couple of double faults there, a couple of unforced errors, and Katchen was simply put very solid and kind of watched Majedovic self-destruct throughout the course of the match. But you saw Katchen win 91% of his first serve points, didn't even face a break point. He just held easily the entire match. And Majedovic got broken four times in eight attempts. So that was really the story. Katchen defended his serve very well, looked very comfortable, and he really just destroyed Majedovic. But in reality, most of the matches were really not that competitive on Saturday. Uh, the only match which was close, which was the Sarundalo and Rublev match, was very good. Besides that match, though, everything else was pretty straightforward. Even though we had Isner to go over his personal games, once you ended up watching the first set and you saw Mickelson win the tiebreaker, it kind of felt like Isner was screwed because he really just could not move laterally. And it seemed like you, uh, Mickelson really settled in with his serve. So every match was pretty one-sided besides one of them, which made for some pretty bad television. But the point is, you ended up seeing Katchen and Ramos Vanola's coast. Rude, I don't want to say coasted because the second set was 7-5. Musetti did in, uh, did use or utilize a lot more serve and volley in the second set, which makes sense because Rude stands so far back on the court, and that made life difficult for Rude initially when it came to breaking. But Rude did not get broken in the entire match. I believe Rude has not gotten broken in each of the last two matches, so he's been very good, and now he's looking for another ATP 250 clay title. Rublev won a war, which uh, I thought was a very entertaining match. Both guys had moments. I thought Rublev probably should have won in straight sets, to be honest. But Sarandolo battled and won the tiebreaker. And then Rublev broke relatively immediately uh, in the third set. And Sarandolo had no answers. Then Rublev broke again to win the match. But for Newport, Manorino once again looks really good on grass. And Mickelson looks really good for a youngster. So it should be a lot of fun watching the matches unfold on Sunday. But anyway, now it's time to get into the actual previews for the matches. I don't have any news to talk about, uh, so apologies if you were expecting a new section. Uh, the only thing that was really of note was uh, Zvonareva uh, getting deported from Poland because Poland is allies with Ukraine, and uh, yeah, Zvonareva wasn't allowed into the country. So that was really the only piece of news that happened over the last 24 hours, so I'm not going to go much into detail there. But I thought that was fascinating. Not used to seeing tennis players getting deported from countries. But anyway, time to get into the actual match preview. So starting off with Gustad taking place at around 5.30 a.m. You have Ramos Vinolas taking on Katchen. Katchen is a favorite, a decent sized favorite of like minus 155. Ramos Vinolas is minus is a plus 135. The spread is two. Uh, Katchen minus two is minus 108. Ramos Vanolas plus two is minus 112. For alternative games, Ramos Vanolas plus two and a half is minus 130. And Katchen uh, minus two and a half is even money. If you want to go for the over, that's at 22 and a half at minus 116. The under is at minus 104. If you want the alt over, 23 and a half, over is plus 110, under is minus 140. And if you want the match to go to three sets, you can get that at plus 130. Now, to look at the actual uh, match breakdown here, I do think Ramos Vinolas has been in great form in this event. Now, Katchen has not dropped the set, so I do have to give him props there. But I do have to at least point out the level of difficulty for both players because Katchen did have to end up facing relatively weak competition because Katchen had to beat Taro Daniel, who is 
okay on Clay. Not great. Haven't really heard much from him over the course of the past year. Uh, but you have Batista Goot, which was a nice win, 7-6-7-6. Beat Munar, which was a nice win as well. Uh, Munar ended up beating Warenka, and Warenka was favored in that one. Now, you can argue that Munar is a better Clay player than Warenka. I'd probably disagree, but the point is Kachin did get a more favorable draw, mostly because Warenka completely punted that first set against Munar. I'm not saying Warenka would have beaten Kachin anyway, but I thought that uh, Munar definitely didn't exactly have the... I'd say firepower to fully match Katchen. And that was the story of the match. And then he beat Majedovic, who was a Cinderella story in the semis. Now, as for Almas Vinolas, he had to beat Fognini, who I know is past his prime, still a good clay player. Beat Sonigo. Sonigo's not in great form, but still a solid top 50 guy. Uh, beat Varias, who's solid on clay, as we all know, because once again, he's in the Tennis Gambling Podcast Hall of Fame. And then he had to beat Kikmanovic, who was one of the favorites to win the event, and he did that comfortably. Now, I do think, once again, Katchen should be the slight favorite, but I do think this line's too big. Like Katchen at minus 155 is too large. Ramos Vanolas has won a title here, so I know that he's fully capable of looking sharp at this event, and I know that nerves will not play a factor into this overall event. Now, I do want to look up Katchen's career on the ATP Tour website because I believe Katchen has never won an ATP title before, and I want to just make sure that I'm right uh, with regard to that. He hasn't been around that long, so I'm assuming that I'm right, and I am right. So he's never won a title, either in singles or doubles, which makes me concerned that this moment might be a little bit too big for him. Now, that was kind of my handicap in favor of Katchen in the semis because I did think that you were going to end up seeing Majedovic struggle because this was his first ever ATP semi, and he looked completely overwhelmed by the situation. So I am wondering if you might end up seeing uh, a spot where Katchen struggles with his overall, I'd say, uh, poise, and you see Ramos Vinolas kind of just cruise into a nice win. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but I do think when you're going to look at how these players match up, I do think that Ramos Vinolas has looked really, really comfortable in a venue that he's already won a title in. That really does give him an edge, as far as I'm concerned. And I do think that when you're looking at how these players match up, Ramos Vinolas is very difficult to face on clay because he's a lefty, which is unique. But he also has the ability to keep the ball in play and force opponents to make a lot of mistakes. And Majedovic really beat himself on a lot of these points. But I do think when you're looking at what Ramos Vinolas can do, it's be very, very patient while occasionally unloading on the forehand. He also can come to the net a little bit, and he has some, I'd say, underrated serving ability. He's not a great server, but once again, with the lefty kick, it can be difficult at times. Katchen's a pretty good server, but I do think Ramos Vinolas can keep him off guard. It's mostly a spot where this line is too big, and I feel like there's a lot of value taking the former champion at this event to win a plus-135 when both players have looked very comfortable in this event. Now, will it be easy? Probably not. I do think that it's going to be a war, so I will link to the over in sets. And I do think that when you see how good Ramos Vinolas has been in the deciding sets this event, I think that's going to bode well for him. So give me Ramos Vinolas to win in three, but I do think plus 135 is my favorite bet here because that price looks very generous. And as a result, I am going to jump on it. Now, moving on to the second match, which will be in Bustad. You have absolute chalk. You have Rude taking on Rublev as the one seed takes on the two seed. A pretty rare spot where two top 10 guys are facing off in the final of an ATP 250, which is rare because you figure the top 10 guys have better things to do than play a clay event off season. 
But either way, point is Rude and Rublev did their part in getting through the weaker competition, even though Rublev had a war against the former champion in Sarandola last round, and he had to beat Zverev in the round prior. But Rude has been on full cruise control, which is not shocking because Rublev is a, a Rude is a former champion at this event. Now, to go through the actual uh, matchups in this event, I, I basically mentioned Rublev's entire path. Rude beat Shevchenko in straight sets, beat Offner in straight sets, and beat Musetti in straight sets. Now, Musetti did more volleying, uh, which definitely gave Rude some trouble in the second set. The problem there for Rublev is he really doesn't vo uh, volley at all, and Rublev really loves to be a baseliner, so he doesn't really approach that much. And I do think because of that, Rude should look very comfortable standing very far behind the baseline because Rublev is not going to make him pay for it. Rublev is a very good player when it comes to firepower and, once again, power being the key word. But he really does not have much finesse with his game, which might be why he's never made it to a Grand Slam semi. But it does seem like Rublev's play style is a, is a little bit one-dimensional. Now, he's very good at it, but I have to point out that if Rude is able to just stand behind the baseline and keep the ball in play, and Rublev will not try drop shots and will not approach the net, I do think Rude has an advantage based on this how these players match up stylistically. Now, to go through, once again, the Rude portion of this uh, schedule, Rude, I believe, has only been broken one time in the entire event, and he's not been broken each of the last two matches. So he has been serving very, very well, and he's defended the serve well. Now, Rublev served well against Rundolo in the... Saturday match, but I have to at least point out that Rude has looked very comfortable with the serve, and I do think that breaks might be more common in this match than we saw in the Sarundalo match yesterday, but I do expect Rude to have more breakpoint chances throughout this match, which might end up resulting in the win for Rublev. I mean, for a Rude, but I want to quickly look uh, at the head-to-head -head between these players, and you're actually going to be a bit surprised because Rublev has done well against Rude in the head-to-head and they've played on clay a couple of times, and Rublev's actually undefeated against uh, Rude on clay. Now, Rude has gotten better, so I have to at least point that out. But they faced off on clay in 2019 in Hamburg, 2020 in Hamburg, and 2021 in Monaco. And Rublev only dropped one set in those three matches. Now, they faced off on hard court in the matches after that in the ATP Finals, and Rude did win each of those two matches on hard court. So I'm not saying that that's going to translate much. But they faced off one time in 2022 on a surface that I think Rublev prefers over Rude. I know Rude made the U.S. Open final, but I think that Rublev feels better on hardcore in general than Rude does. And Rude won comfortably 6-2, 6-4 in the semis. So I'm not saying, once again, that translates well to Clay, but I do think Rublev being 4-0 in the head-to-head entering the ATP Finals, and then Rude winning back-to-back -back matches. I do think Rude has more confidence, and I think that's, a, once again, a testament to how much Rude has improved over the last two, three years. But I think when you're looking at how these players match up, Rude is, in my opinion, easily a top-four clay player in the world. He's made the French Open back-to-back, -back, the French Open final back-to-back -back years, and Rublev is a good clay player, won a Masters 1000 event earlier this year. But I have to point out, that Rude, once again, is just, for me, a tier above. And I have to mention the scheduling spot, because Rude, once again, coasted to an easy straight set win against Musetti. He was on the court for less than two hours. He was on the court for about an hour and 46. As for Rublev, since he had to go to back-to-back tiebreakers and a 6-3 third set, he was on the court for roughly an hour longer than Rude. Now, Rublev's still relatively young. 
So I'm not saying he's going to fully collapse out there, but having to play an hour longer than your opponent going into a final with no days off in between is not a great scheduling spot. And I think because of that, Rude should win. Is it going to be straight sets? Maybe, maybe not. But I think minus 150 is actually a bit low. I think Rude should be closer to like minus 160, minus 170 based on the scheduling spot. So for me, I'm going to go with Rude to get the job done. I would consider maybe taking the minus one and a half games for Rude at minus 115. But I do think when you're looking at how these players match up, Rude should be able to get his hand raised and the his, he should be able to get the trophy at match's end, and I think he'll be able to win his second title here. So I'm going to go with Rude to get the job done in Bastad. And moving into the final uh, match of the episode, you have Manorino taking on Mickelson, and Manorino's around minus 130. Mickelson's around plus 110. As for the spread, Manorino minus 2 is minus 110. Mickelson plus 2 is minus 110. And the over-under is at 23. Overs at minus 109, unders at minus 111. If you want some alt lines, Manorino minus 3 is plus 130. Mickelson plus 3 is minus 160. And Manorino to win in straight sets is plus 180. Match to go to three sets is plus 105. So first things first, no value at all on the three sets. Plus 105 is an embarrassing line. I'd rather just take the 23 at minus 109. You can just sacrifice the extra 14 cents for an opportunity to win without it going to three sets, which is definitely a nice way of limiting the risk while not really sacrificing much in the process. I also forgot to mention, by the way, Rude to win in straight sets is plus 180. That is tempting. I think plus 180 is a very good price. So that is a pretty appealing to me. So I think I am going to lean to Rude in straight sets solely because that plus 180 is very, very attractive for a guy that has not dropped a set all tournament. But anyway, to get back into the Newport match, Mickelson, I mentioned, being the Cinderella kid, so we'll see how he ends up doing in this event. It's actually kind of funny because he's right now committed to go to Georgia, so he might actually, in theory, go to college after being in an ATP final. I'm assuming he's going to turn down college and become a full pro, kind of like what Ben Shelton did, because Mickelson has been really good here, and it's not really fluky either. I just think he's looked very sharp. But to go through the path for Mickelson... He has beaten a couple of former champions. He ended up beating Cressy in three sets in the first round, beat Duckworth in three sets in the second round, beat Mc, uh, beat McDonald comfortably, 6-3, 6-3, and beat Isner, once again, a four-time champion, 7-6-6-4. So a couple of former champions he ended up beating in Cressy and Isner. As for Manorino, though, he has looked very comfortable with the exception of one match, which should have been comfortable, which I'll talk about right now. So beat Hitchikata in the straight sets in the first round, 6-3, 6-4, then beat Thompson, 6-0, uh, 6-7, 6-2, but that second set, Manorino was really coasting, and he choked it away. Uh, Manorino was up 5-2 in the second set, so he actually was serving it out twice, and he choked it, and then he ended up having to win the third set, which he did 6-2. So Manorino should have not dropped the set in this event, and then after that, he ended up beating Umber pretty comfortably in the semi on Saturday. But I do think, once again, Mickelson is in his first ATP final. The crowd will be supporting him because, one, he's the underdog, and two, he's American. So that's going to definitely result in a lot of crowd support. But I do think when you're looking at the overall spot in itself, Manorino, I think, has the edge because Manorino has had a lot of success in grass events in the past. He made a grass final a couple of weeks ago before losing to Eubanks in the final. But the point is Manorino has had a lot of experience on ATP-level grass events, 
And Isner's issue at this stage in his career is that he can't move, and you ended up seeing uh, Mickelson exploit that. But Manorino, what really is going to decide the match for me is how unorthodox Manorino's style of play is. He hits the ball very flat, underrated mover for a guy his age at 35, and once again, he's really, really good on grass. And I do think that when you're looking at how these players match up, Mickelson has a very good serve, but I do wonder if the overall nerves might get the better of him. Now, he has won. Uh, he just won a challenger event uh, the week prior, and Mickelson actually beat uh, Nishikori in that tournament in three sets before making the transition over to grass ATP. He's looked very good. Don't get me wrong. But I do think when you're looking at how these players match up, I think Manorino's extremely flat and unorthodox style is going to give Mickelson problems. And I do think that facing off against Manorino the first time is really, really difficult because there's really no proper way to prep for a guy like that. And I think that that's going to be the story of the match. Will it go three sets? Maybe. And of course, Mickelson's going to have to serve very well if he wants to win. But I do think that eventually Manorino's experience will just out, will just overwhelm. Uh, Mickelson over these three sets, and I am going to go with Manorino to win. I think it's a cheap price at minus 130, so I'm going to take it. Now, as for the actual over-under, I would lean to the over, but I do think, once again, Manorino being a grass champion on the ATP level and a guy that was in a grass final a couple of weeks ago, a guy that's done very well at the on the grass uh, schedule for the entire year, I do think he's in line to win another title here. So give me Manorino to get the job done at minus 130 on the money line as my best play from that match. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual uh, recaps for these three matches. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we get into that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Millions and Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs. Circa Millions is pretty simple. Five NFL picks against the spread each week. There's a leaderboard, and depending on how well you do, you can make yourself some serious money. On top of that, Circa Survivor is a different but fun way to get in on the NFL action. Pick a different Moneyline winner each week. You cannot use, once again, the same team twice, and whoever's the last team standing or last person standing ends up winning the grand prize, or if most Multiple people do make it to the end of the season. Then you chop whatever the grand prize is. And on top of that, you can enter in Vegas, but play from anywhere using a proxy. And Sports Game Podcast will be out there last weekend in August. So stop by and say hi to the gang. CircusSports.com for all the details. CircusSports.com. What would you do if you ended up winning all that money? Possibilities are endless. I would probably go on vacation. I travel a lot, maybe buy a ticket to the Super Bowl. We'd see, but the point is it would be a lot of fun to, of course, get in on the action by winning. And for me, the picks that I'll look at for Survivor, there's a lot of potential options. Once again, the season's so far out there. I would fade the Cardinals, just simply put, with Kyler being on the shelf, and we know Arizona's got the lowest win total of any team. I'd probably just fade the Cardinals, play it safe. There's different philosophies when it comes to Survivor, where some people try to save the best teams for last. Others try to just get the best teams out of the way because you have more faith in them. I'm more of an option B guy. I'd rather just try to survive as long as possible and worry about the planning after. But I do think taking the commanders in the first game at home against the Cardinals is worth a look because the Cardinals should be a mess. So that would be my thoughts for the week one of Survivor. But once again, get in on the action at Circus Sports, circusports.com for all of the details. 
We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also another great way to get down your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog, and it's active in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the championship matches in Bustad, Gustad, and Newport. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. So starting off with the lock for the show, I'm going to go with Manorino on the money line at minus 130. Simply put, I think it's a very cheap line. I saw it open up at like minus 150 or so, and money's come in on Mickelson. I don't disagree with it because, once again, I understand how good Mickelson's looked, but I really do think Manorino plays such a unique style that it's going to give Mickelson problems. It's nothing like a guy that he's faced in this event. McDonald is the only rallier, per se, that he's faced at this venue. We know Cressy can't return to save his life, and he tends to hit a lot of unforced errors, a lot of short points. Isner can't move, and McDonald, once again, is a volatile player, but he's more of a rallier. So I will give the props that are definitely due for Mickelson to make it to this point. But I do think Manorino's unique style of play and the fact that he's a lefty is going to give Mickelson problems. And I do think that Manorino has faced a lot of pretty big serve, a lot of big serves before he's done well. And I do think that Manorino's overall success on grass this year will propel him to success. And I do wonder if Mickelson is going to struggle with the nerves, potentially playing for a title. Is he going to struggle if he falls behind early on? Maybe, because he's still young and inexperienced. But Manorino should go down fighting. He should be able to get the job done. And I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, whoever won the Manorino and Thompson match, in my opinion, would win the t- would win the event. And now you have the winner of that match in the final. I'm not picking against him. I thought that Umber was a pretty good uh, practice rep for Mickelson, not the exact same player, but I can see some similarities there. And Manorino passed that test with flying colors. Game Manorino uh, to win this match at minus 130 as my lock. And for the dog, I'm going to go back to Gustad, and I am going to go with the former champion to get the job done here. Kachin did us a solid at plus 600 to win the quarter. Shout out to him. We also picked him to win the match yesterday against Majedovic. Shout out to him again. But I am going to go with Ramos Vinolas. Once again, facing off against the lefty, a little bit of a unique style of play for Ramos Vinolas, who's had a lot of success on clay over the years. But it's mostly going to be taking a former champion to win another title here at plus 135. Now, Katchen's never won a title, and I just mentioned that Mickelson, once again, might have to deal with some nerves. I do think Katchen might have to deal with some nerves as well. Now, Ramos Vinolas is older. He's been there before. He knows what to expect. And I do think, once again, he looked really, really good against Kikmanovic in the semifinals, and that should result in a good performance here. I'm going to take Ramos Vinolas to get the job done at plus 135 to win his second career title in Gustad. But that's going to wrap it up for the lock and dog pick. So once again, the lock's going to be on Manorino, money line at minus 130. The dog is going to be on Ramos Vinolas, money line at plus 135. That's going to wrap it up. Now I got to go through the actual schedule for the ATP next week. You do have a tournament in the United States. You have Atlanta which is taking place, which is the official Isner Invitational. Is Isner going to win again? No, he can't move. Isner's not winning an event for the rest of his career, so I'm going to pick somebody else. I'm hoping Isner's odds are going to be pretty cheap because I'll gladly fade him every step of the way, especially after he had to play a pretty uh, long set of tennis, or I should say he had a long run 
in Newport because he had to go to three sets a bunch and he did lose in the semis. But to go through the actual schedule for next week, couple of events. You have Hamburg uh, taking place, which will be another clay event. You have Atlanta, which I mentioned being the hardcore event. And you have Umag, which is taking place, which uh, is going to be fun. So once again, you have a couple of clay 250s. But this time you officially transition from grass to hardcore. So Newport is the official end of the grass season, which was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the lock and dog picks in grass season kind of peaked pretty early on. But we do have Eubanks, of course, who won his event there. And that gave us a very nice plus price winner at around 20 to 1 or so. But recently, the grass picks were not great, so I'm kind of happy to make the transition over to hard court. But two clay events should be fun, and Atlanta is always fun. So looking forward to those matches. But find me on Twitter, at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, the WNBA show, and a bunch of other podcasts. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.